Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the WellFit Lab Podcast. Happy Mindset Monday. It is your host here, Shia Thousand, and I'm so excited that you guys are joining me this week. This week, we are closing out Women's History Month, and what better way to do that than with some special guests in the lab with me? I am speaking with Sis, Sisters in Self-Care. And these women are so powerful, dynamic thought leaders in the space of self-care and burnout prevention. And I'm so excited for this conversation. So this is comprised of three wonderful women whom I've had the pleasure of speaking with more than once now. And now I get to share our conversation with you guys. So first up is Miss Naima McMichelle McCollop, and she is an organizational leadership culture catalyst and the Divine Pause Coach by Purpose on a mission to ignite the vision, legacy, and radical self-care of women, BIPOC leaders to normalize well-being in life, work, family, and legacy. She is a culture catalyst disrupting toxic burnout culture. Next is Dr. Ray Lundy, who is the founder of Healthy Hearts, counseling and coaching, a clinical psychologist and diversity and inclusion specialist. After years of working with young people in higher education, Dr. Ray Nicole designed a self-care model of services, encouraging individuals to invest time and attention into their mental health. Her work is comprised of methods that decrease stress and guard against mental fatigue. Next up is Ms. Shamira Parker-Evans, and she is the founder and chief well-being officer of Born Boundless International. More importantly, she is just like you, a high-impact woman, an imperfect mother, and someone who needs powerful self-care for practical living. Her mission is to advocate and guide women to prioritize becoming healthy, healed, and whole. I know, listening to those bios, you are excited to listen to this conversation as well. So grab a pen and paper, join us in the lab for this really thought-provoking conversation around self-care in Black women and the importance of social support. I promise you're not going to hear anything else like this anywhere else. And I'm so excited to share this space with other Black women who are out here doing the work, supporting the healing of our culture and of us as women in this culture, black women, giving us the permission and the space to just be. So grab a pen and paper and a cup of tea and join us in the lab for this wonderful conversation. You don't wanna miss it. See you in there. Thank you so much for coming and sitting in the lab with me uh, for another episode of WellFit Lab. And I just want to jump right into it. Um, For those of you who might have missed the intro, I am sitting with Sis today. And this is going to be a two-part series. So ladies, let us know who you are. I'm going to start with maybe Dr. Ray. Hmm. Hi, everyone. Um, So I am Dr. Ray, also the self-care doc, um, and um, excited. We are excited to be here for this conversation. Um, SIS stands for Sisters in Self-Care, and um, myself, 
Shamira and Naima um, are all passionate in a different way, in unique ways about self-care and about spreading uh, the, the message that says it is not selfish to prioritize our needs. And in fact, it is um, essential that we are intentional and integrative um, and that we pause and make sure that self-care is a part of our entire being so that we can be well. And each of us um, and sis are passionate about sharing that message. We met um, in a variety of ways, kind of one-on-one -on -one individually. Um, I, as I said, am the self-care doc, uh, licensed clinical psychologist. I work um, by day as an administrator, associate vice president in a college, but I have a small consulting practice and um, in doing a podcast much like this, uh, Shamira heard, uh, about my approach to self-care, which I was talking about the idea of it being okay to cry. And Shamira reached out. We had the opportunity to connect and just be so excited that there was another sister in the <laughs> field who um, thought similarly, because this work can feel uh, a little lonely sometimes. And so we were just so excited to, to meet one another. And then um, as the pandemic went about and Clubhouse was all the rave. I had the opportunity uh, to engage with Shamira in some, in some Clubhouse rooms. And then um, she introduced me or we, we both met Naima separately, but then she, she said, I have another sister that I want you to meet. And it was in fact that then Naima also thought about self-care in this really um, unique and impactful way. And so uh, Sis was born from just a natural uh, a, a set of three women who are passionate about helping women heal and uh, came together to support one another in the work and decided that uh, as a collective, we could be even that much more impactful. So that's a little bit about us. Um, awesome. Ladies, sisters did, I, sisters, did I miss something? No, you did not. <laughs> okay. No, you said that. So let's go in the order in which Dr. Ray met you, ladies. So Shamira, tell us about who you are and also your unique approach, because I love SIS and what you guys stand for. And all y'all listening, by the time we're done, you're going to be wanting SIS in your city, your state, and you're going to want to sign up for anything SIS has to do. So just get ready. Make sure you got your pen and your paper. Shamira. I love that. Thank you so much. So yes, um, I'm Shamira and I cover the East Coast of SIS. I'm based out of the um, greater Charlotte, North Carolina area. And I am a self-care advocate and advisor. And I also am a burnout prevention training specialist um, I'm also known in these streets as the self-care evangelist. Um, that's kind of a name that was given to me and I very affectionately accept that name. Um, but just in the corporate world, <laughs> I go by self-care advocate and advisor and really have been, there's been a greater focus on the burnout prevention training part that I do. And I specifically um, focus on high achieving, high impact women and uh, I say I super serve Black women. And that's because I believe that 
we have a very unique set of needs uh, that are rooted in our, our history, our epigenetics, and that there are certain things that we contend with, certain things that we feel and face that everyone doesn't feel and face. And, you know, when it comes to self-care for us as Black women, it's just a whole separate thing. And so um, whenever I have an opportunity to go into corporate environments, especially these employee resource groups that allow us to come in and specifically focus on Black people or Black women, um, I'm able to really, really get into a groove. And, you know, the thing that I say that just to simplify it, because I do a lot of things, is that I teach self-care integration for burnout prevention. And, you know, this, it's self-care integration as a ritual, as a lifestyle, not as a one-off practice. And a part of that is showing high achieving, high impact women, especially black women, how to make self-care non-negotiable so that they are emotionally healthy, healed and whole and really no longer suffering in silence, which we all, all of us on this podcast know leads to chronic health issues and fatigue and professional and also parental burnout. And so it's my mission and my passion and my heart to see every woman, especially my sisters, healthy, healed, and whole. I love that. So there's so many things that you just touched on that we are definitely going to dig into, especially parental burnout, mm-hmm. which I think we don't talk enough about because when you look at the definition of burnout, it consistently says workplace. Mm -hmm. And so often I am in rooms and doing trainings and I'm like, there's such thing as parental. So I agree with the who to one degree, but I don't agree with that holistically because there's a whole nother layer that we're adding. We're not adding to the equation. That is a huge factor in someone leading to work out, work burnout as well. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Naima, let's go. Yes, yes, yes. So I am, um, I covered the West Coast for CIS based in Long Beach, California. Again, my name is Naima Mac Michelle McCallop, and I'm a disruptor like my sisters here of toxic burnout culture and a divine pause catalyst. And I like to always start with, you know, who I am in that I am the evolution of my becoming And the reason why I start with that, because I hold space for women and for women of color to give themselves permission to consciously unfold in their evolution of their becoming. And so as a creator of Divine Pause, um, we are a movement of women disrupting burnout culture and decolonizing self-care in the workplace and in life. And together we are consciously choosing liberated joy with success and the reclamation of rest to not just catch our breath, but hold space for a new way of being. And I like to say uh, together we are the future of work-life integration and well-being because the fact is that we get to choose our narrative. And so as women, we're coming together like sis to choose a different narrative to choose a narrative that says, rest is my birthright, period. So that's a little bit about me. Period. Okay, so listen, 
if y'all <laughs> see what I said there, I started with Dr. Ray, right? Like Dr. Ray was the calm before the storm. <laughs> and she talked about what cis is and um, what your focus is. And then I went to Shamira, right? And Shamira, she was like a little stirrup. You know, now like we might have a tornado coming. That was the little stirrup. That was a little kick up, right? But then Naeem, she just put it all together and put a big swirl on it. And that was the kick up, right? Um, Audre Lord has caring for myself is not self-indulgence. It is self-preservation. And it is an act of political warfare. And that's what we are talking about today because all of you ladies here are attributing to that act, giving permission for Black women to rest, to hold space for self. I'm gonna tell y'all, when Naima first said unfolding, so audience, just so you know, we had a conversation before this conversation and we went to church. So then we scheduled this conversation and Naima said unfolding. And for the longest time, I have personally been feeling like I was unraveling. And mm -hmm. when she said unfolding, it just was like, <gasps> revelation. One, change the verbiage. Unfolding is definitely what we are doing as we evolve into our best selves, into our more healthy selves, our healed selves. So I just, I just love that we are having this conversation today. And especially since this is a two-part series and we are going to be honoring Women's History Month by having you ladies on here talking about self-care and what that looks like and really how important is social support? So you guys are three different Black women living in three different cities, connected over these internet streets and became a collective, a beautiful collective and are able to support each other in a very unique way. How important is that? Well, I can um, say that even today in this moment, if I can be transparent, um, I am as we all are still in a place of um, finding my balance as we live through um, a pandemic of COVID-19, but we're also, I think, you know, I've said before, we're living through um, uh, the pandemic of 1619, where we still experience racism and the trauma associated with that. And so we, we have all of these um, stressors on top of each other and, in, in the midst of life, I would say that these two women, um, in terms of the social support that they give me uh, and we give each other have been a godsend and, and a part of my healing. And so as much as we each are giving out and healing to one another, even as we prepare for our time together today with you, um, you know, we had to have a moment where we had to have a, a have a sis talk like, okay, sis, are you okay? Um, what What is it that you need? And one of the things I talk about in my self-care work, um, I mentioned it briefly earlier, was this, this idea that it's okay to cry. And cry stands for compassion, reflection, and intention. Um, and with that level of compassion that we have to give ourselves in order to give ourselves that permission to take care of ourselves, I can be honest and say I'm not always the greatest at giving myself the compassion that I'm encouraging other people to do. So I'm, you know, I'm constantly trying to live this out and walk it out. But having the social support of people who see you and truly see you for who you are, um, then re reflects back to you yourself in moments when you you can't 
um, or don't have the strength to. And, and it is in this collective and, um, and in other spaces where I have social support that I'm able to, to continue to do the work, but also continue um, to move in a space where I can thrive and not just survive. I think a lot of this work that we're doing um, becomes so critical because Black women and women of color for so long, because we have been taught, socialized to nurture others, um, we've just been surviving. Um, there have been moments of joy, but I believe social support gets us to a place where we can begin to thrive and we can begin to walk in the joy that is ours to have. And um, I think we also get to do as one of the things I moved um, towards, I guess probably in 2020, in the midst of the thick of the pandemic, I asked myself this question, you know, am I living the life I want to live? And then I went further and said, am I living an extraordinary life? And I think the challenges of life have told us that we can't have those things. But again, having someone like my sisters here to reflect back to me that, you know what, sis, you are amazing. You're phenomenal. Um, you, you have choices. You get to say no. You uh, also get to say yes. But it's having the support of my sisters that allows me to um, continue to move towards that space of thriving, like I said. So I can't underscore enough how important social support is. And I just want to, you know, publicly say here to my sisters that I appreciate you so much and you don't know how much it means to have your support. Wow. Love you. Oh, love you so much. Yes. So much. Love you. Love you I love both. you for your transparency and sharing that. So it's, you dropped a few gems in what you just shared, um, specifically around CRY and that acronym and us having that space. Um, it's funny, when you said it, I, I knew it, but the verbiage that you put to it, as Black women, we have been nurtured. Mm -hmm. And we've always carried so much as a society mm -hmm. on our shoulders from catching babies, then raising these same babies by the people who was raping and pillaging us. So now being and still being looked down upon and not having a voice. So, or being told we don't have a voice, not saying we don't have one, but being told we don't have one. And we really have to be mindful of how intentional we are when we show up in the world and come as our full selves. And I think you speaking to the level of support you get from sis is huge because a lot of women don't have that. And I can say, I definitely have a support group but when I connected with y'all, it was like a whole nother level. And I think for me, that's because I was able to rest in the fact that these women also prioritize self-care. And I think in a lot of circles, you may have one friend that prioritizes self-care. Not all your friends prioritize. So then you become like the go-to person for everyone. And that can be a weight in itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I do think that I totally agree that... Um... You know, it takes, we're going to ebb and flow. Um, I often talk about this idea too that life has, we, we want to do work-life balance and we move from that to realize, well, no, maybe it's work like work-life integration. And then I've actually shifted from that to say, no, whatever, we all need to be finding our rhythm. And in this particular collective, 
what I think we do for each other and what we want to model for other women and want to provide um, strategies for women to do is to say, you know, where are you ebbing and flowing? What can you do to check in with yourself to say, what is it that I need in this moment? And then how can the people around you um, be a part of that process as well? So when I'm, I'm having my moments today, um, but the same way in which they rallied around me, um, we would rally around Naima if she was having a day or rally around Shamira. So it is this ebb and flow, it's this rhythm and it, in, in recognizing that rhythm, then I think we're all better able to give ourselves the grace to say that, you know what, today, I mean, you know, as the self-care doc, I can say, you know what, I'm having a day, but knowing that that's okay, because um, it's it's ebbing and flowing, and that there are going to be seasons or times where my, my I feel stronger, um, and then I'll be able to be that backbone or support for my sister when she needs it. Absolutely. Ladies, yeah. would you like to chime in? Naima? Oh my goodness, I could not agree more. And just once again, just have to say, I am so grateful for my sisters here. Um, they have truly been my rock in so many different spaces in my life. And what's so funny is that we haven't even met each other in person. And yet- Oh yeah. <laughs> right? I forgot. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's a huge piece of this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yet, um, like my sister Ray said, my sisters here are God sent. God mm -hmm. sent. God knew exactly what he was doing when he put my sister Ray in my life, my sister Shamira in my life. And yeah. I could not be more grateful. And I thank God for these women. Um, who support me in prayer, who support me when I'm up or when I'm down, who, like Sister Ray said, check in on me, right? Just saying, hey, sis, just checking in, right? And are also at the same time rooting for my success, rooting, like wanting to see me shine just as much, if not more of me wanting to see them shine. Like it's such a beautiful partnership mm -hmm of sisterhood that we have in SIS. And I truly believe that what we have in our relationship is such a beautiful model that um, we hope to inspire other women to know that this is possible. Because me personally, I didn't grow up in a household where I saw this where I experienced sisterhood in this capacity. It was something that I, I learned and, and really had to become that first to myself, right? To be that for someone else. Um, so social support is everything, everything. I truly believe that we are not meant to do life alone. And, you know, one of my tenants in my business, my consultancy is that transformation happens in community. So if we want transformation, we do that together. So I'm just grateful for my sisters here. Absolutely. Jamira, what does it mean for you and how important is this cis social support? And just chiming in on what the ladies have already shared. Yeah, I, I echo what my sisters have said. It, this sisterhood has been such a blessing. And it's a really unique blessing, one that, you know, I never experienced either, um, similar to Naima. 
I didn't really have super strong um, relationships with other women, other um, girls coming up and, you know, never saw that this would be, you know, something that would be a part, a major part of my adult life. But I can honestly say that I have some amazingly powerful, just beautiful souls um, connected to me. And, and my sisters here have been so, um, so key, so key. And when I think about the social support piece of it, I think about the safety. I think about safe spaces. I think about the space that we create and we hold for one another where we are not only seeing each other, you know, not simply taking what we see on social media, but we are truly seeing one another. We are hearing one another. We are bearing witness to one another. We are holding space for one another to not have it all together all the time, to be able to come together collectively and figure it out together. And to just kind of piggyback on what my sister Naima said, when I think about community and I think about the collective, as a people, we are, as a people, we are conditioned to heal in community as well. So there's the piece of healing that is connected to community that's in our DNA. And so when we come together, we foster not only a space that allows for us to come together and transform, but also come together for healing purposes. This safe space for us as women who are leaders in our own right to be able to come into and have safe space amongst spaces that don't feel safe because a lot of times it's not safe for us. It's not, it's not just that it doesn't feel safe. It is not safe for us to put down our guard, for us to come into a space and be our whole selves. And that's what we're teaching and that's what we would like to see happen. But we have that instantly here. We, we don't have to build it or create it. We have just had it. And that's how you know it's a God thing because we haven't, as, as my sister said, we haven't even met each other in person, but we instantly had that in the same way that you felt that. It's something about, you know, it's something about connecting over the self-care piece. And there's just a sense of safety, you know? And, and I think that's, there's a lot to be said about that, especially as black women, because, you know, there's a lot, I mean, if we're just keeping it all the way 100, there's a lot of, um, when it comes to spaces with black women, there, a lot of times, a lot of other black women are, are, don't feel safe and they're not sure if they can come into a space with other black women and not feel like someone's trying to compete with them or there's some comparison. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's a whole like proving energy. There's a lot that's happening. And a lot of those dynamics create an atmosphere that doesn't foster transparency and safety. And in this space, this support system that we have with SIS and this model that we are walking out, we have created a safe space and then we are going out and creating and holding safe spaces for others. So I think, you know, if I were to talk about the social support aspect, I would talk about that because there are so many women who are leaders who are 
you know, just women who impact many that don't feel like they have the ability to go into a space and not have it all together, to not have all the answers, to just have a bad day, to, you know, they feel like they are the ones, they are the go-to. And so I appreciate that we can all be, just be, you know? I love that you touched on that competition piece because first of all, everything you ladies have said has been a mouthful. So I just hope y'all are taking notes. If you're not rewind, please take notes because especially as black women, creating that safe space is so important because when growing up, we're told we have to be twice as good or better than, and it's always a competition. I don't, Mm -hmm. I did not grow up in an environment where it was not some form of like, you need to be better. And then if you're not, you are compared to. So then it breeds it. So even if you are not necessarily raised to be competitive, you are compared. So Mm -hmm. then we get in these environments where we are now striving for the corporate ladder. We are dealing with code switching, trying to assimilate into environments that were never built for us. And then we see another black woman across the room. And Mm -hmm. instead of us being like, girl, (laughs) <laughs> right. we like we sizing up the competition and it's like it right. doesn't have to be that way and so many black women as they climb the corporate ladder say that they don't see themselves and then they say that it's lonely mm-hmm. and there's so much to be said about recognizing the beauty in you that does not take away the beauty in me complimenting you and then saying let's do this together and as we go up we're gonna put one hand back each of us and pull somebody else up they put one hand back each of them and we continue that and that's not where we are but it is where we should be and mm-hmm. it's built in community and I love that you guys are using community because all that kept um, coming to mind while you all were speaking was the fact that it takes a village to raise a child we all say that right and we know that that's like an old African proverb however no one speaks about it takes a village to just live Mm. and you are not a child anymore and yet you still need that village and that support and we don't talk about that enough because we are here in these here americas and we are made to feel like we are pitted against each other and that's from slavery that is not from that the diaspora right so that's not who we are we don't need to be pitted against each other because we are here to support and as a village lift each other up as a community, encourage each other to be our very best, but also hold that space and be a soft place to land for when my sis is having a hard day. Yes. And I want to add to that by saying, you know, create spaces where performance-based worthiness is not the qualifier Mm or the for acceptance and love. Huge. That's a whole gem. That's like a mic drop. Yeah. That's a mic drop because we don't do that enough either. And so many people think that they do have to perform. And it's then it's so sad because when you finally meet the real person, you're like, I would I would have really liked you. But I met your representative first. And that person, because especially in the corporate environment, so many people feel like they have to be the harder version of themselves. Mm-hmm. So they're not as nice. And mm-hmm. they just come off a real aggressive. Versus that softness, because our softness is taken for weakness, which mm-hmm. is still our femininity, is still our woman, and especially as Black women, we're thought we're thought of to be very strong. And I've been bringing this up a lot when I do my trainings lately. But what's the first word you think? What's the first thing you think of when you think of strong? 
Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not a black woman, but it's some, it's something aggressive, like a truck, um, right? Not a truck. <laughs> like that's what you think of, but why would we be depicted in that way? To dehumanize us. Yeah. It makes it a lot easier, right? It makes it a lot easier when you dehumanize a person. Mm-hmm. That dehumanization breaks down. You know, it's it's something that it, it doesn't just break down who they are in your mind. It also serves as a way to break that person down because that, that was always mm-hmm. the Right. If we talk, if we go back to what Ray talked about, about, you know, the 1619 pandemic, the whole goal, if we go back and we pull up, um, oh my gosh, it just left my mind right now. As soon as I was going to talk about the um, letter, do you know what I'm talking about? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Oh, this letter. About um, the uh, Willie Willie Yes. The Willie Lynch letter. So the Willie Lynch letter is, you know, how to make a slave. And the main objective was to break us. And what they did was they utilized the same tactics that they used to break horses. And so Mm -hmm. if you think about that, and you think about that in the context of dehumanizing us even today, the context, the goal is to break us. Wow, what a powerful episode. I really hope you guys enjoy the conversation with myself and sis. These women are full of just knowledge and experience around self-care and the way they speak to the importance of social support in their own circles and how it shows up in our lives is just so good. So make sure you tune in for part two of this wonderful conversation with sis, Dr. Ray, Shamira Parker Evans, and Miss Naima. So hope to see you next episode. Next week, we will drop part two of this two-part series discussing Black women, self-care, the importance of social support, and how we show up um, for ourselves. All right. Until next time. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Bye.